0: Hello and welcome to episode 24 of Be The Drop, a weekly podcast that investigates how to create genuine connection with your community. I'm Amelia Veal, and through my interviews with a wide range of people who have built passionate communities, I share the secrets to great communication. Today I am talking with the hardworking and big-hearted Cherie Sullivan, owner and director of other delights, home to a wonderful range of handmade artesian cheeses. They pride themselves on being an all-Australian-owned and operated family business that cares about their product, their people, and the place they call home. Cherie talks to us about using the media, remaining level-headed, and she reveals how to build a business from the ground up. This is Cherie's version of Be The Drop. Thank you so much for joining me today, Sheree, here in your wonderful cellar at Adder Delights. Yeah, thank you. I'm really excited to have you on our next episode of Be The Drop. Yes. So I see that you've brought in your item of significance yes. and that's something that connects you with your communities. So I'd love it if you could explain to me sure. what that item is. Sure. So if this feels like show and tell. <laughs> so um, I brought in our Adder Delights Adelaide Hills
1: Double Cream Brie, Um, I guess I, I particularly pick this so we're cheese makers so cheese connects us uh, in terms of every part of my community but in particular um, brie or white mold cheese is the biggest range of cheese that we make and sell so I just picked that one and it's the one that is really penetrating the market on a massive level um, around Australia so yeah
0: that's my icon great so Cheese it is, cheese is your connector. Can yes. you tell me about, and I know we were talking a little bit around the fact that you've got multiple communities. Yeah. Do you wanna explain a little bit who they are? Yeah, sure. So
1: we are, I guess, you know, you said you're in the cellar of Out of Delight. So we are a tourism outlet, cheese cellar door. So in that very close connection with the community is, is the direct customers who are coming in here and they're our regulars and they're our tourists. Um, but interestingly, they're also our customers from all around Australia. But from, I guess, a manufacturing perspective in that we make cheese, we then sell to uh, all our distributors and and the distributors are selling to all the buyers and all the different shops around Australia. And that is a really important segment of our business and very much a community. Uh, From that point, we've got our end consumer who we connect with, I guess, with our cheese but also on social media. And then finally, probably again the really important one is that in our industry, milk supply is really important. And so we've we've even got a community with our dairy farmers and, and um I guess really
0: building relationship with them. I really like that because you know you've talked about cheese being the central but obviously there's always more than one community right yeah. through from supply to delivery and so you're really aware of Yeah and probably those. the one
1: I haven't mentioned is our staff like again even they are a community within themselves and, and that is a pool that continues to grow so and
0: I have been here at Salador and your staff are amazing so Thank I think you. they're a very important community yes. yeah, I agree with that yep. one yeah you mentioned that you've got different levels of community and you're mm. bringing these different groups together mm. how long did it take you to build these different communities so
1: our Cheese factory and the brand Utter Delights. We've been going since 1999, so it's about 18 years. We opened up our cellar door 10 years ago, and usually when you think about how long is something going, if you're not connected, you'd say five years. And I, I've learned how how long is something open? Two years, okay, that means four. So everyone here has thought, oh, you've been open five five years, no, it's been 10, and the factory is almost been double that. I think from the cheese factory perspective, it took 10 years before it really started to chug along and that um, the community we were building was getting significance, even though from the start you had dairy farmers and from the start you had distributors. Um, from a social media perspective, I think it's taken a good three to five years to get a decent you know, following that communicates with you and, and interacts with you. So it's certainly not an overnight thing, that's for sure
0: no yeah that really highlights the time it takes yeah. and you know through that journey you know was there times when you you've doubted that like the building of the community why and also then building on that like why was it important to build this community well for i your think business? i think the truth is that without community
1: you actually don't have a business because you won't have your suppliers, you won't have your staff you won't have your customer base so uh, i think it's crucial um Did I ever doubt it? Yeah, I think there's men, and not necessarily the community, but you just doubt your business, you know, like, and and that's the trials and tribulations. And, And I think the funny thing about business is that the bigger we get, and I think perhaps even the bigger your profile gets, rest assured behind the scenes, there is the equal thing in a negative perspective to balance out all the positive that's happening. So if at any time you go, yeah, we're so good on, this is awesome, tomorrow it'll all come crashing down so it's like a really good leverager and you've just got to you just got to stay pretty you know equal and neutral and and just i guess enjoy it as much as you can Uh, and i'm very uh, i'm such an advocate of you know i don't get on your high Chair, don't get on your pedestal, you know, it's it's life and it will pull you down if and and so will your business. (laughs)
0: So So keeping it grounded. Keep it grounded, keep yourself grounded. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. I like that. So you've built your momentum but understanding that with the good will come the bad
1: So much. And to equal level. So some of the positives and amazing things that have happened have been mind boggling. But so has the problems. They get bigger and bigger and bigger, and that's just because your business gets bigger. And we've got a, a, a funny, I think my husband came up with it, this funny little anal- uh, analogy of when you've got a field and you think about um, the old fashioned way of ploughing your field was with the ox or the oxen. And so you just need one ox to pull a plough for a small field, and that just means the poo of one ox you're cleaning up. And so the bigger your field gets, the bigger your field gets, the more ox you need. And therefore, the more poo you're cleaning up. And that's really business.
0: So... <laughs> is one of my favourite analogies.
1: You yeah. need to tell your husband. I <laughs> And love obviously, that. I'm saying it very
0: cleanly, but you can sort of add to it. <laughs> we touched a little bit about the cheese being a central um, thing for your business. Mm. And you know, you've got the different communities. Mm. Can you really expand about what it is, like how that unites the community and how you're a part of using the cheese to bring people together? Yeah,
1: I think... I often hear, um, I guess you want to say government speak, for want of a better word, and and they always talk about the value chain. And, you know, we hear that word, but I live that word. And um, basically where we've got dairy farmers who are milking morning and night, they're obviously the primary producer, and I buy the milk from them and I make all this cheese. And then I sell it on to my distributors, whose job is to get it all around Australia and get it into the chefs and get it into the shops. And then they sell on to, you know, the retailer and the restaurants, and their job is to, you know, get it out. And that is, I guess, a description of the value chain. But generally, it's one family selling to another family, selling to another family, selling to another family. Literally, um, because you know we are built, our Australia is built off small to medium enterprise. So, and our, I guess, our value chain or our connector is the fact that the milk gets made into cheese, which you know then goes on to become cheese powders or restaurant menus. Um, and, and items. So um,
0: I guess, yeah, I guess that's our journey and our connector. Yeah, really family value. And do you find that that's communicated through how you're dealing with these communities? I,
1: I think so, yeah. I think it's, um, and it's definitely one of our strong selling points as well. And, and generally, all the businesses we deal with, including distributors, are family owned as well. So, and the dairies are definitely family owned. So, uh, and I think that's what people like. I think they like that it's the Adelaide Hills. They like that it's handmade, you know, all those things. Um, that I think appeal to us,
0: because it's trustworthy. Absolutely, and trustworthy is such an important thing. Now, you know, you've talked about selling points. What is it that you really think that motivates your community to, you know, particularly the customer base, to come in and buy your cheese? Obviously, there's a lot of different cheeses within the market. Mm. How is it that you think you motivate your community?
1: I, I would suggest, particularly when we're talking about the end consumer who's going into stores to buy our cheese, I would say it's just been years and years and years of really consistent, delicious, well-priced product. And we tend to spend our marketing dollar not so much on advertising, but in-store special. So that if no one has tried our cheese before and they're standing in front of the cabinet and they're going, oh, which one? Oh, that's on special. I'll try it. Our hope and our goal is that they'll try it once And then go, wow, that's delicious, so that we can capture them. And that every time they then go back to make that decision, hopefully it's ours they're picking. Uh, I'm finding even here in the cellar door, it's a great marketing tool because we are running 24 7 cheese tastings. And our staff are always told at the end of the tasting, show the customers what they tried. And that is also about a subconscious subliminal thing, so that they're literally pointing out, so that when they're one day standing in front of their cheese counter, they'll go, oh, I had that in Handorf. Yeah, I'm getting that because there's this emotional connection. So that's what we're hoping, I think, you know, the motivator is for that end consumer.
0: Mm. And, you know, if you're talking about communicating and communicating that motivation, what platforms do you find are the best for communicating those messages? You've mentioned in-store. Now, around that, what communication platforms are you using? So even
1: from in-store something i've learned is and it works for our business and it's our choice and maybe not for others but when i first started i was calling the cheese quite fancy names and i was r- wrapping it in paper and just making it look beautiful and for example our chef was called brancolet and which was portuguese for white milk and you know great story around it but if i wasn't there to tell the message consumer wasn't getting the message so you know the whole kiss, keep it simple stupid, so for me it's really important that that cheese will communicate to the customer if I'm not there, it will say, I'm a brie, I'm from the Adelaide Hills, I'm this, I'm that, so not to be too fancy pants, you know, that whole grounded thing, so that's how we communicate from that, that I guess, direct level, but I guess the other two things is we do, I mean, I don't think we do social media exceptionally well but we do it and and we do get some success with it that definitely helps and the other thing we've done probably for the last three years is a lot of pr um and i think you know a lot of people probably if you're not in this industry you possibly wouldn't understand the difference between pr and advertising or you know pr and marketing and i know they can all sort of intertwine but for us we've had great success with telling our story and getting it out into all, you know, all
0: levels of media. Mm, absolutely. And that storytelling side of PR, yeah. I think is that's such a good point that you make yeah. as opposed to advertising yeah. and it be more yeah. sales focused. Yeah. You're really taking... It's about the story and, and yeah. all the latest stuff
1: that's coming out. And, and, and I mean, we know, because we're in the industry, that editorial, in terms of the consumer perspective, is four to five times the value of advertising anyway. Um, we have a little joke about a PR agent. A PR agent is your racehorse, but if you're not the jockey, feeding, constantly steering and telling the stories, then they don't, have, they don't have anything they can work with. So you still, you just can't handball and go, okay, there you go, it's still your role. It's just that you've got someone to go out there and do it for you. You are just killing it with the analogies <laughs> today. I love that's that. That's neat. I'm always <laughs> like
0: single and how do I remember that? Okay, think about but this story. That point is so important, being the jockey and the and the racehorse, because yeah. you need to be the yeah. one that's you know yeah. you know directing the race. because
1: yeah. if I am ever asked some, you know, do you think? Well, it's
0: like, have you got stories? Have you got some decent foot stuff? Because if you haven't, there's almost no point. No. And it's interesting that you say you don't feel that you do social media well. Like I think there's one of the things that I really like that other delights on social media doesn't, you do your cheese giveaways, I mean that seems to go nuts. Yeah, it does go nuts. But I
1: I guess it's not, I think I do it well, but I don't think I'm awesome. Do you know what I mean? And and it's probably because I'm stretched, so I do what I can. Um, And I'm a big believer of being a consumer whatever you're in. So, for example, I, I guess it's my generation. I'm a little bit more Facebook orientated, but my cellar manager here is 10, 10 to 15 years younger than me. He's Instagram. That's his thing. I don't want to try and drive our Instagram campaign because I'm not really a consumer of it. So, I've handed it to him. He's doing such an amazing job. So, you know, and I'm just a big advocate of that. consume. So, And for that reason, I don't really do Twitter because I don't do it and he doesn't do it. Like, we don't even um, participate in that forum. So, I'm on it a little bit. But that's what I'm a, a bit of an advocate of. And I think you should never hand in your business the social media to someone who's not on there, mm. if that makes sense. Yeah,
0: absolutely. and Because then I think you lose your authenticity. Yeah, you do. And you don't understand what, what people respond to. So, yeah. Mm yeah knowing your audience is so important yeah when you've been building these communities and you've talked about the the time that it's taken has there been other big challenges in building your community what has been the biggest challenge would you say in doing that from your suppliers through to um... probably everyone's challenge in life which is time and money (laughs) like that's just the truth
1: um i i think when you're building a business you're often under resourced because that's just the way it's got to be um and money is always a challenge because you're always feeding in and growing and whatever so definitely as we've gotten bigger it, it gets easier it, it's true um but i think they're the challenges um it's and it's probably also i often get asked what's the biggest limiter in your business and if i'm really honest and i really give it a lot of thought which i have i think it's Saul and i the business owners we're the limiter because we are the people who grow it and push it and drive it but eventually and essentially, it's our personal home on the line every time because we're the guarantors and we're the, it's our risk. So eventually we are the ones who go, oh, no more, no more, you know, so we limit. So even when you're building your customer base, it's the same. It's, it's how much money and time you're going to put to it and ultimately how much you're going to personally risk doing it. Mm, and obviously, when that's your business, how scalable can you make yourselves? I know. That's so we well that—that's not. I find it's not so much that because we are always employing better than ourselves. It's just a matter of money. Like because obviously, the next time you bring someone on, there's another wage. So, um, but we—that's—that's that's an exciting part of our business that we're getting to a size where we can just afford more help. And I even felt to think about when we first started this business. I um, was 21, no kids, you know, no house to look after. I just think if I was starting right now, I don't know if I want to do it. Like it's so much work; it's just ridiculous. So, you know, I'm, I'm at a nice spot right
0: now in terms of workload. And I really like what you said. Then we're always employing better than ourselves. That's a great statement. Could you yeah. just expand?
1: Yeah. Well, I um, many many years ago, I read a book called. Uh, The E-Myth Revisited. And um, when you hear E, you think e-commerce like internet, but it was actually entrepreneurial myth. And it was all about owning a business and not a job. And so ever since then, um, I, and it was really instructed by the book, I've always had sort of this organisational chart either in my head or physically this organisational chart of all the roles in the business and everyone who fills that role. And when you start the business, your name is in every role. And as money becomes available, the part of the business that you don't like doing, you employ that first and you bring that person in who loves it because if they love it, they generally have a great aptitude for it. So, and then you extract yourself and bring yourself up. So, we, um, we do that all the time. So, we're so excited that we've just employed a general manager at our cheese factory. Um, uh, last year, it was a national sales manager. The year before, it was a quality assurance manager. So, all these things that we've learnt along the way and can do, it's just nice to be out of handle um, because eventually your role gets so big, you've got to cut your role in half and hire again, and then it grows and you cut yourself off and hire again. So that's how we've done it, you know, over the years.
0: I love that. That's yeah. such good advice. Yeah. Well, I've absolutely loved talking with you and your analogies and, and business advice that you've shared with us. But to conclude, mm-hmm. can you give us Cherie's be the drop tip? Be so the drop Yeah, that's your top communication. Yeah, tip.
1: I would say um, be the real deal, but probably even more than that. I was, oh, I've thought about this before and now I've forgotten. Um, I think always put yourself in your customer's shoes. And if the communicating or marketing you're going to do would bore you to tears or glaze over or irritate you if you were them, then don't do it. And so does that mean send them a newsletter daily? No. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I just think put yourself in their shoes. Would that appeal to me? And I guess it's that whole be the consumer of the industry, be your customer because then you can self-regulate. And I think there's a few people out there who probably don't um, because eventually it's a great thing. It's a great thing. Yes, oh, yeah, I want to hear about that. Oh, yeah, I want to. oh, for goodness sake, would you stop telling me I'm
0: done already? And then you, your customers turn off absolutely and, and put yourself in your customers shoes I, yeah i, I couldn't agree it. with that more yeah you know and it's it's got to be because they're the people that are buying it yeah but it's not about what you want yeah it's what they want it's what
1: they want and if you're a customer
0: what
1: what would what would you know excite you what would bore you what would irritate you you know and uh, i don't know we're all different but you still have a bit of an idea
0: yeah well it, it definitely helps to yeah. have an idea of your customers well yeah. thank you so much that's for okay. joining me sheree it's been wonderful my pleasure thank you Thanks for listening to Be The Drop podcast. Be sure to subscribe in iTunes or your favourite podcast app. Leave us a review or share with someone who is looking to improve their communication. You can follow us on Facebook, Twitter or Instagram at be underscore the underscore drop or visit our website narrativemarketing.com.au and click on the podcast tab. If you or somebody you know embodies Be The Drop email us via podcast at narrativemarketing.com.au. New episodes are released each Monday, so make sure you don't miss out by checking in every week.